a stranger with a gun came upon two teens taking pictures under a rising full moon. But violence is only the beginning of this story. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are. And this is a big one. I'm Amy Donaldson, and I've spent my career talking about how lives are undone by violence. The Letter is a podcast about how lives are remade. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Host Boyd Matheson divides rage from reason and elevates the conversation on issues crucial to our community. On KSL News Radio 102.7 FM and 1160 AM. Well, the movement to give government a bigger role in regulating tech companies is gaining ground, especially on Capitol Hill. Lawmakers have proposed dozens of bills targeting big tech uh, antitrust laws. But a new study led by Wayne Bro, uh, Bro from uh, R Street Institute uh, shows that these kinds of bills would actually do more harm than good. Excuse me, Wayne Brow. Sorry, Wayne. <laughs> I hit my mispronunciation there. Uh, he's a policy director at R Street's technology and innovation team. Wayne, thanks for joining us today. Uh, happy to be here. Well, wonderful. So let's let's look at this. Uh, you've talked about this. I uh, know R Street's heavily involved in looking at the uh, tried and not so true, uh, the rise of the hipster antitrust movement. Uh, tell us, what is that and what does it really mean? Well, it, it, it's funny. The hipster antitrust movement is uh, started, and actually uh, Lena Khan, who's the current FTC uh, chair, is one of the early advocates of this, the hipster antitrust. But what it does, it goes back to the early roots of uh, the antitrust movement, um, and looks at the work of uh, Louis Brandeis, who was eventually a Supreme Court justice, but was very critical of big business. And there's a there's a notion of rather than looking at the specific analysis of the market and is that market serving consumers, they simply assume that if it's big, it's bad and it needs to be regulated. And I think you know, looking back over the last 40 years, you know, it's particularly during the Reagan administration, they came up with a consumer welfare standard that, that said you have to look at what's the impact on consumers. Are, are prices going down or, or up or, you know, what, what's happening to quantities on the market? Um, is innovation growing? And then you would decide whether the policy is good um, rather than simply saying, well, if it's big, it's bad. So what the hipster antitrust movement is doing basically is trying to overturn that approach that was sort of established in the early 80s and go back to some of these more arbitrary approaches to antitrust that occurred before then. Yeah, I think that's a vital component to all of that. And I think everyone agrees, hey, the digital sector needs to laser focus just a little bit better on things like privacy, security, <laughs> and so on. Uh, but you also mentioned in this report uh, that you and R Street Institute uh, have put together, uh, there's a lot we can learn from, as you mentioned, some of these past mistakes that, again, if you're just going after it because it's bigger, uh, that doesn't end up being better for consumers in the end. That's correct. And, you know, and there are, you know, obviously tech is under the under the gun on a lot of issues nowadays. Um, but I don't think any trust is the way to address those. If there's privacy concerns or if there's concerns about, you know, censorship or content moderation, those are separate issues and they should be dealt with separately. You know, the antitrust laws were never really set up to do that kind of thing. And if you look at the history of antitrust, there's, um, again, even 
prior to this adoption of the consumer welfare standard, you, you saw decisions coming out all over the map and you had like 10 year cases going against uh, IBM that were finally dropped. And it just turned to a very costly, expensive process that at the end of the day was not necessarily helping con- consumers. Yeah, and uh, I think you also pointed out that uh, throughout our history, there's there's not a uh, boatload of evidence that regulating the market structure uh, produces the right economic outcomes and and other outcomes as well. You kind of alluded to this, and let's let's dig a little deeper in terms of the cost benefit analysis. Uh, what is the cost, and who actually benefits? I think in a lot of these uh, regulatory schemes, uh, is is pretty questionable. Exactly, and and in looking at the you know, the history of antitrust. And there's been uh, economists who have looked at, you know, are cases really linked to stopping the problems of monopoly? And a lot of times what they found, it was more linked to political power versus anything to do with helping consumers in the marketplace. And a lot of times that that is driven that are trying to compete. And rather than sort of get a, a leg up in the marketplace, they're turning to the government to you know, put put some binders on their competitors to help them advance in the market. So there's always been a sort of a political overtone to a lot of the antitrust regulation that's out there. And I think going back to this this big is bad approach is going to make it much more political rather than economic decision. Yeah, and doesn't doesn't the the politicization of it all doesn't that just create a lot of uncertainty, which usually ends up being worse either for just the business in and of itself, but often that ends up hurting the consumer the most because there's such big swings in terms of the costs and and the way things play out in the market. Yeah, exactly. I mean, when you look at how antitrust, give an example, you know, in, in, in the United States, we've, we've used this consumer welfare standard where we put the consumer front and center. Um, Europe, on the other hand, has, has taken a much more, well, we want to worry about the other competitors in the marketplace more than just looking at consumers. So then you have to start thinking about, well, how, if you've got big companies, how do you accommodate them competing with smaller firms that you want to stay in the market? And by definition, if you're interested in more more sort of different enforcement mechanisms and ensuring consumers are being served well, then there's a cost to consumers to shifting to these other types of antitrust enforcement and comparing what's happening in Europe today to, to the U.S. in terms of what's a more dynamic market, what's more innovative. And the U.S. hands down wins on all of those cases, but we tend to be wanting to adopt a more European approach that I think will harm innovation as well as consumers. Yeah. And, and are there any of these kind of antitrust bills that are working their way through Congress uh, that you're particularly concerned about? Well, there's, I mean, right now they're throwing everything against the wall and, and to see what sticks. I mean, there's, there was hearing last week, uh, hearings this week. Um, but the, the, the ones that are the, the American Innovation and Competition on, Online Act is probably the one that has the most legs because the, the, the chairwoman of the committee is the one that's pushing on it. Um, and that one is very tech specific. It defines tech companies that are over a certain size as a covered platform and all the regulations that they come up only apply to those covered platforms. So that one seems to be gaining some 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 steam, and uh, I think uh, well, that's the one I'd, I'm keeping an eye on right now. But there, as you mentioned earlier, there, there is a host of them that are making their way through Congress. Yeah, and are there some alternatives out there that lawmakers could be pursuing or some approaches uh, to all of this that really can strike that balance you described? Um, it, it's, there's nothing out there that I, I see. You know, there's a, there's a couple 
that that have some good elements to them. Um, the the Team Act, for example, another one that that's going through Congress actually. Uh, Senator Mike Lee is, is is one of the sponsors of that one. It, it would in, ensconce the the consumer surplus standard in the law itself. Um, but it's sort of a mixed bag. There's some good things in the bill and, and some bad things. But um, that is another alternative that's going through. And you know, I, I think at the end of the day, it, it's just a matter of of making sure we try to maintain that consumer welfare standard and, and leave a lot of it to the courts where they have the time to go through, do the analysis and make the decisions rather than simply pulling up a, a legislative list of, if you're big, this, these are the things you can't do anymore, which is where we seem to be heading right now. Yeah. Fascinating stuff. Uh, Wayne Brow is a policy director for R Street's technology and innovation team. Uh, Wayne, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, great perspective, important stuff for all of us to be thinking about. Great. Happy to join you. Thanks. All right. Again, that's Wayne Brow from uh, R Street. Uh, he's part of their technology and innovation team. And uh, I think as we, we look at this, and sometimes I think it's hard for us individually to to really say, okay, how does all of this impact me as a consumer uh, and you know what I'm buying or what I'm using in terms of technology, these big companies? Uh, and as Wayne pointed out, it is easy to just throw rocks and, and say big is bad and uh, all these people are awful and they need to be regulated by government. Uh, which is also big and occasionally not helpful. Uh, and so it's looking at finding this proper balance in terms of so many of these things that we can allow innovation to thrive, that things can move forward, uh, that there is transparency and accountability uh, for these big companies, especially when it comes to things like cybersecurity and privacy. I think those are all vital things. And so that's why it matters. That's why we need to have this conversation is because these things do impact you. You may think, I have no, I, I have nothing to say about antitrust. Uh, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, I'm not an expert. I don't understand all of that. Uh, But it does impact your life. It impacts my life every day in terms of what technology companies can and can't do, uh, the burdens that are placed on them. It's also interesting to note that often when you get into a lot of this regulatory stuff, uh, it benefits the bigger companies. They say, wait a minute. I thought they were targeting the bigger companies. This is one of the things that I saw in Washington often the big companies would complain and whine and moan about new regulation, and they sort of did it with kind of a wry smile because they knew, because they were so big, that they could hire their army of lawyers and lobbyists to get what they wanted so it would actually become a barrier for competition. Because the little firms, the upstart, the innovative firms, they can't afford a bunch of lawyers and lobbyists to deal with all of this stuff. Uh, And so we have to be careful in terms of the balance and what we actually get uh, versus what we actually want in terms of the outcome. We're going to step aside for a quick commercial break. When we come back, we're going to do a little roundup of our nation's capital, what's going on here in the state of Utah as well. Much more to come on Inside Sources here on KSL News Radio. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.